0: And welcome back to another episode of To Be Wed. My name's Emily and I am your host.
1: And I'm Mike and I'm your co-host.
0: And we are in the process of planning our own wedding and thought that we'd take you along with our journey. Today we're delving into you're engaged, what's next? First things first, congratulations. You now have that ring on your finger and can get started in planning your wedding.
1: We have just put together a little list of the first 10 steps that we think you should be going about after you get engaged. So we're going to run through a few of those in this episode, leading you through what our process has been like, but also a few other things from, um, from other people who have been engaged before and things that we've heard have worked really well. So I'm going to pass over to Emily and ask her a few of her ideas on uh, what she thinks the first few steps should be. So what do you think the first step, normally would be after you get engaged.
0: What is the first thing you should do? Well, there is a lot of things that kind of happen at once, but I personally would say the first thing you think about is your date, but not necessarily a specific date, but more when. So what time of year are you thinking? um, That's where I would start
1: anyways. So are we talking about um, what year you're potentially getting married in or also thinking about the type of season that you would like to be? Getting married in? Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, probably both, right? Because like for us, um, for context, we got engaged in 2021 and we knew that we only wanted a 12-month engagement and it was in April. So it probably wasn't going to happen in 2021. So you need to think about do you want a short or long engagement first? Um, For us it was 12 months, as I said. So we chose autumn. So I think think about what time of year because that will also dictate how long your engagement is. For example, if we wanted a spring wedding, it wouldn't have happened spring 2021 because we got married uh, we got engaged in April, so that was like what, an 8 month turnaround less than. But if you wanted a spring wedding, then it have to be end of 2022. So that brings it out to 18 months. So think about yeah, what what season actually probably comes first and then that'll probably dictate your year a little bit
1: yeah so it's important to be planning for what type of season that you would like to be getting like to be getting married in and then planning for how long the engagement will be based on that
0: yeah and when you think about what month I think for us it was really between two seasons I think I we kind of for like autumn or spring which I mean is the very typical kind of seasons that people do get married in
1: and there isn't anything against getting married in winter
0: oh 100% not i think middle of summer to be honest you save a lot of money so if that's your vibe i reckon go for it but not my vibe i hate being cold (laughs) and i also wanted a strapless or you know a dress that didn't cover my arms which was a consideration as well but i think when we were choosing our seasons what what do you reckon helped you decide
1: I just think we always had that idea in mind that we wanted to get married in. Well, I always had the idea in mind that I want to get married in autumn and you were sort of up and down on autumn or spring and I always wanted an autumn wedding and I think it helped that it was only a 12-month turnaround because I think 18 months would have been too long for us to hold up and we wouldn't have been able to turn around in only six months to have a spring wedding. So I think autumn just seemed to work well for us as well.
0: Yeah, I think it worked well because we obviously got engaged in um, April, which is autumn for context where – obviously in Australia from our accents. Um, so that worked well. I personally was looking at spring, but again, part of our decision was, um, Mike suffers hay fever. So didn't want to be having that vibe at our wedding in spring. And it also is a bit warmer. We also like, I mean, we've done photos in the autumn time and really like the coloring of autumn, which, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more, but I think the autumn colours and um, season inspired our whole palette of our wedding and the whole overall look.
1: And then I think rolling on from that, the next step you would probably take is to choose an exact sort of location and that sort of is dictated to by the season in which you want to get married. So if you're after those autumn type vibes, um, it's probably not great to get married where there is no exact autumn, where it's not really cold enough in that type of time of year to have that specific season. So we have to be thinking about why you would like to be getting married in that particular season but then also t- trying to find a venue around that and try to meet that type of vibe.
0: Yeah, I think localities. um I know it was a definitely a big one for us. We, we kind of tried to lean into those autumn vibes but um, – or the autumnal look of being around trees and you know that kind of um, environment. But it turned out that budget and location was a bit too difficult for us to get that. So our venue probably really isn't in the most autumnal kind of location, but I think it's more for the weather at the moment than anything else.
1: Location is an interesting type of question, right? Because a lot of people these days tend to be wanting that sort of overseas type of holiday where they have um, where they do get married away from where they would call home. But there are just quite as many people who would like to get married, nearer to where they grew up and nearer to where their family are, because that that really does hold a special place. And I think for us, we didn't really have anywhere that we were specifically drawn to. In that Mm -hmm. way, so it was hard to find the location. So we really had to fall back. So we really had to fall back on what our vibe that we were trying to look for, um, as well as what type of year we wanted to get married, would would kind of dictate where we were going to get married. Because if you wanted to get married in the middle of winter, for example, you probably wouldn't go somewhere where it's freezing outside. Yeah, you know, so you'd have to be very well dictated to by that and the genuine and the general conditions at that type of year. So. Yeah, I think that was one of the big things that we were looking into and it's important to choose that location based on that. I don't think you should be choosing location based on other people. I think there are a lot of people out there who are choosing location based on how easy it is for people to access, especially like heaps of people would like to get married overseas Yeah, So how would you go about that when you're trying to choose a location?
0: I think for me some really big points about location when I was thinking about it and when we were thinking about it was what was special to us, what actually held any kind of meaning to us. So um, at that time that we got engaged, we were living in Sydney and we met in Sydney, but we also looked about the Blue Mountains, which is about an hour and a half out of Sydney because that was somewhere that we visited a lot. So I would say that is a really key consideration if you haven't got somewhere that's automatically popping up as somewhere you'd like to get married is what's special to you and your partner. And then on the guest thing, I actually reckon, yeah, milk it for all it's worth. Weddings are one of the only times people will travel anywhere for you. Um, Especially if you're wanting to go overseas. I mean, it's a tough one because I think if you're wanting to get married overseas, you will have to probably recognize that you're not going to get the, the same amount of guests, or who everyone who you might want to be there, but that also comes to what's your priority about getting married? You know, do you want do you want the location or do you want the guests? And that's an important consideration. So, but yeah, I think weddings are one of the only times that people will travel anywhere, essentially, especially if it's um, domestic and in Australia.
1: It's an interesting question, right? Because I heard once a person say they were finding it hard to cut their guest list down and so what they did was they planned their holiday overseas to automatically remove a large chunk of the guests they were going to have at their wedding only because they wouldn't be able to be able to travel overseas or it was way too expensive to travel overseas so this is a, this is a really interesting question of where you would get married depending on who you would actually like to have at your wedding because just remembering that if you do decide to go have a destination wedding which can be really nice you are potentially losing heaps of your guests, heaps of your close family members who wouldn't be able to travel, especially older family members like who, who may not be excluded by the expense of it but maybe just excluded because they aren't able to travel anymore. Mm. So yeah, you really have to think about what is your priority on the day and is it, is it really to have all your family members there or is it to have a special moment for you in a location that really means something to you?
0: Yeah, it's a lot to think about location. But I would say as like a quick and fast tip is try to narrow it as much as possible so you know don't just like type wedding venues australia into google try and say these are the top three places for me and then everything else will fall into place whether that's guests or how people are going to get there Mm
1: -hmm. and so after the location what would be the next thing that you would move on to trying to plan
0: for me it would be my pinterest and mood board and if anyone's like me probably have that before you're engaged even or, in you know, you get engaged, get that ring on and then you're on to Pinterest that night. Yep, that was me. But I would say that focus in on the Pinterest and mood board. So start to get all those, those ideas together.
1: And I think a few people would be surprised about why we would bring this up as the third thing to plan when we haven't even like locked in a venue yet. So we haven't even, even started to look at those types of things. We've just been having these sort of ideas and I think – for us both, it was very important to have a concrete idea of where you want to get married, at what time of year you want to get married, how the style you want it to be. Like, are you adding on your Pinterest board um, styles of how you want the place you're getting married like to look? Are you adding on there like your dress? Are you adding like small little details of how you want your day to look?
0: For me. I guess at this stage, it was more about the colors and the overall vibe. So whether that's like a romantic or an elegant or a rustic kind of vibe, because as you're going through the planning process and once you lock in your venue and your location, these will all change. But I think most of us have, and the reason I think this is good to bring up now as opposed to the beginning, because most of us have an idea of what we would want without even necessarily having to say it, I know that we were pretty much on the same page, even though we might've had different words to describe it. We knew the overall theme or feel that we would want our wedding to be. And I I also think on that point is that um, it can be good to do it around this point before you get to a venue, because of the fact that when you go to the venue, Or when you're moving forward in planning, you can really draw on that key kind of feel and look, which comes predominantly from Pinterest or mood boards for me anyways, because you haven't planned a wedding before. You don't know what a wedding looks like. If you're around our age, you probably haven't even gone to many weddings. So it's good to see what others have done.
1: And it's easy to be sort of drawn into that whole idea, right? Of when you're going to look at a venue, it's easy to say, oh, it's all amazing. Like now I'm here. And now I can actually imagine myself being in this place and you can end up like locking yourself into something that you weren't originally after anyway, just because it's the first place you have looked at or or in the first handful of places you've looked at can be easy to lock yourself into something that you weren't really after.
0: I think, yeah. And it also opens your ideas to what a venue could be. I would say that um, our venue changed a bit. Um, depending on budget we probably didn't get the venue we necessarily wanted but going in seeing it more as a blank canvas and seeing what we could bring to that venue was really important so if you have those ideas behind you when you go to a venue not only can it help you decipher between whether you want that venue or not but also see the venue as what it could be because especially if you're on a budget it's probably you're probably not going to get your dream venue.
1: And so what would be one of the next steps to move on to after you've planned out your mood board and all that type of stuff on Pinterest or things like that?
0: The dreaded guest numbers. I say dreaded because it's such a hard process and people are like, why would you do guests so far out? And it's because it'll take you months. You'll go back and forth on guest numbers so many times. But you also need to have a rough idea, like just do a rough guideline of how many people you're thinking of and it can change. But this will be the number one question you get asked, whether that's from, you know, any vendor, any venue that you choose, you really need to know that guest number going in or an approximate number.
1: Yeah, it's not all about having the exact number and you're never going to know, especially if you're planning over 18 months out, you're never going to know the exact number and you could add people in at any stage. But I think good to have a roundabout number, especially when we're looking at different types of venues. Like If you're planning on having 300 people, you need to know that in advance because you can't be having like a small hall in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Like you need to be having a bigger venue if you want that many people. But if you only want a handful of people, if you're only wanting like 15 to 20 people, you can obviously plan for a much smaller venue. So good to have that idea in your head before you choose a venue (laughs) because Mm. if you choose a small venue and then you work out, oh, I've actually got twice as many people I need to invite, which I think in our case was probably – where we ended up after we sat down and actually looked at our guest numbers. Like we worked out there were so many more people that we probably needed to invite that we didn't have originally plan for. So if we hadn't have thought about that guest list before we went and looked at a venue, it may have made that very hard.
0: Yeah, I think my piece of advice would be find your minimum number. You know, you don't need a maximum number, you don't need an exact number, but find your minimum number. Be like, this is at the very minimum how many people I can invite and/or how many people. I don't want to say it, but need to invite because with a lot of weddings, there's the aspect of you need to invite people. And so you might like write up a list and you're like 70 is as low as I can get. And that's a good starting place because a lot of venues will be like we have a, most venues will have a minimum number and they'll say you need 80 to 100 people to even hire this venue out because more than likely you guess this is going to go up than down.
1: Rolling on from that guest number list, what would be the next thing that would be after that?
0: Budget. You need to sit down and get your budget done. Um, Again, it's never going to be exact. There's always going to be hidden fees. But if you could sit at like what you think you'd like to spend, what you're comfortable in spending, at least that's a good point. But you need to spend a lot of time looking at your budget.
1: Yeah, and I think this definitely like sort of fluctuates because as you walk into planning a wedding, you don't have any idea how expensive these mm. things are. Like everything when you're planning a wedding is more expensive than it would be in in your normal day-to-day life. Like if I was to go book a venue just for an 18th birthday party, it's going to be a lot more expensive to have my wedding there than it was to have a party there. So mm. just you need to have an open mind with how much you are thinking of budgeting so that it's able to be moved on. If you do find somewhere that really fits with all those things that we've been talking about before, that your budget is able to move, and you know how many people you're going to be inviting, so then you can easily plan that budget based on all those things we've spoken about previously.
0: Yeah, I think the important thing with a budget um, is also having a five grand buffer, so a five thousand dollar buffer in your budget. So I see a lot of people being like, "I want to do it ten k under," "I want to do it fifteen thousand and under," or a number and under that and I totally understand that but I think you need to have around 5 grand so whether that's my budget is 20 to 25 my budget is 15 to 20 because of the fact that there are going to be hidden expenses that you will never be able to budget for the amount of hidden expenses that have come up in our wedding experience in our wedding planning process is crazy like we've definitely gone over budget but I think you and I also had in mind that our budget isn't 10 grand you know once we hit 10 it stops it's like our budget is 10 to 15 or whatever it you know comes to so I'd say that's really important and also it it comes lower in the least because again you haven't planned a wedding We didn't know the cost of a wedding and trust me, when you put the word wedding in front of anything, people will charge you that extra surcharge. Everything is a lot more.
1: And the whole reason they charge more is because they know it's a a once-in-a-lifetime service they're providing. So they're expecting you to spend a little bit more money and I think that's okay. I think that's okay to accept to yourself that it's okay to spend a little bit more money. It's okay to walk into a venue and think, wow, yeah, this is the dream venue that I've always wanted to go or you walk in, you have a look at a dress and you're like, I I would spend any money for that dress you know like even yeah. if you go a little bit over budget it's good to have that little bit more because there isn't anything worse than walking away from that than saying I wasn't able to get the thing that I really wanted because I'm so hard on my budget from the day one
0: yeah and I think this is again when you're thinking about your budget you really need to think about your priorities in getting married and having a wedding So if, if your venue is really important to you, spend more on your venue, but it might mean that something else has to come down a little bit. So when you're thinking about your budget, think about what this day means to you. If it simply means you go and you get married and that's kind of it, remember that, keep that at the core of the budget that at the end of the day, all the other stuff is an add on, is great, but. Yeah, when you, I think when you really know why you're getting married and what you want your marriage and wedding to look like, then it's a lot easier.
1: Yeah, I think making that's making why. That's why you would have the mood bot, right? Like at the start, you've you've already sort of have these ideas in your mind, and you would know what your plan is for the day. And I'm not saying spend over your budget on every single thing. As you said, Like, if you spend more than your budget on your dress, then then other things are going to have to come down. So if that's mm-hmm. a priority to you to spend more money on your dress, then spend it more money on your dress because you can sort of find that in your budget a bit later on and you don't know how much things are going to be. If you walk into a dress shop, you don't know how much the dresses are and they don't normally advertise that, right? So. Mm. be a little bit flexible and a little bit open to spending more there. But if that's a priority for you, then that's okay to prioritize those things that you really enjoy.
0: Mm. And make sure you keep it realistic. And I'm just going to quickly touch on like the Pinterest mood board thing. You were saying that's why, but Make sure you're looking at realistic pictures as well of what that budget can get you. So there are heaps of online Facebook pages that are like 15K, 5K budget weddings and people post pictures in that all the time. So make sure that you're not only getting inspiration from weddings that are 30K plus if your budget isn't over 30K.
1: Yeah, and we'll make a whole episode on like priorities about what are your priorities to actually getting married and and I think that's really important to think about but we're not going to talk about that here today and I think that's something else that you could be thinking about early Mm. on but it's not really one of these steps but I think it's still an important thing to be thinking about. And so after we have our budget in place, what's the next thing that you think we should be moving on to?
0: Starting a planner. And when I say starting a planner, this is under the assumption for the purposes of this podcast that – you're not outsourcing your planning. I mean, maybe you are and this is where that would come in as well but starting a planner is really important before you start to get any other information.
1: So before um, you start to even plan anything, you would say have a planner and how would you ideally have this planner? Like like what does this planner look like to you?
0: So it looks like a lot of different things. For me, I made my own um, and I made it on Excel which made it really – easy and succinct and it's just somewhere where all your information is together. So whether that's in paper form, there's a lot of people who have binders and folders full of information, you can pay for one, you can download one off Etsy, just Google it and thousands of um, results will come up. But for me, and again, this comes down to our budget, but I made my own and it also meant I had total control over what it was. Again, I'm a pretty organized person I'd say And I fuss over details. So for me, making my own made a lot of sense. But if you feel like you're going to miss a detail, definitely go download one. They're so cheap.
1: And you are saying like to go get a planner, like this is for before you even start going contacting any other sort of vendors, go and make sure you have a place to put all their quotes, all their information on so that then you can easily refer back to
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I would say this is the planning stage, the planner stage, I should say, because if you're going to engage a planner, this is when you do it because they're going to do the hard yards of finding the venues and everything like that. It's important to do this before the venues or before the vendors, whatever it is, because you're going to read so many, you're going to look at so many, it's all going to blur into one. So, um, We'll probably do an episode on this too, where I break down exactly like what my planner looks like, but you're going to have every single place you've, maybe not every place, but think places that have like stuck out to you on the internet that you're like, that looks really nice. You're going to put there like rough prices. And, um, also if you book in a viewing or anything like that, and that's really going to help you, um, moving forward. And then you can look back on that when you get overwhelmed and forget what you've looked at.
1: So now we're up to step number seven and we've touched on a lot of different things but we really haven't made any purchases yet and I think this was a strategic choice for us and the way we sort of planned this whole thing out was to really have an idea in, in place before you start making these purchases. I'm big believing that you should plan twice and only purchase once because you really want to make sure that you have that idea in place for how you want your day to look. So all these things talking about when you want to have your wedding, where you want to have it how the styling of the day wants to be who you want to be there how much you're able to spend you know we we're, we're talking about all these different things so then you have a have a place up front to walk into the next thing so what would be the next place or the first place that you would start when you're staying to contact people
0: the first thing would be your venue not only will this take up the majority of your time in researching it'll also take up the majority of your your budget so it's a really important decision not to put any pressure on it but it's also going to lead you throughout the whole planning process of what you do need to plan and what you don't need to plan
1: and why is it that you would say um being able to book your venue first why is that a really important step
0: venues book out quick as well. Um, Especially we're going through a bit of what they call a wedding boom at the moment, you know, all the 2020 brides postponed and now the 2021 brides are postponed plus all the 2022 brides. So there's a lot of weddings happening in the next two to three years. So if you can try and get in and one, I think you've said it to me once, one thing like has just stuck with me is that there are only 52 Saturdays in a year and you want one of them, most likely. You don't have to get married on a Saturday, but a lot of people do. So every day there's only a select few amount. It's also really important because, as I said, some venues will be blank canvas venues, so which means that you won't have – it basically is a room. And so that's going to take a lot more – take you down a lot more different avenues of planning than, say, somewhere like our venue that has a lot of inclusions, you know, has your tables, have your chairs, has a coordinator for the day of. So, again, comes into priorities, but also it's really going to set the whole scene for your wedding.
1: So having a blank canvas, sort of venue, would that be the next thing that you would try to work out and would be like trying to organise all the things? If you were starting out with a blank canvas, you need to hire people in to to do all the decorations and have all the chairs and all the tables and that sort of stuff. Would that be the next thing you would engage after you have a venue? If
0: you were going for a blank canvas, yes, but there's a lot of venues that slightly come with things. So I think once you get your venue, you need to think about the big vendors And when I talk about the big vendors, it's like if you don't have these vendors, does your day run? So if you have a blank canvas venue, you're probably going to need chairs and tables or a celebrant if you don't, if that doesn't come as part of your package in your venues. So I would say think about anyone that is going to literally help your day run and in addition to that people like photographers and makeup artists who are pretty much for a lot of people are non-negotiable so there's non-negotiable vendors
1: are those for you the next step like engaging a photographer and a hair and makeup artist does that come before um, like other vendors for your venue or would you engage the hair and makeup artist earlier than that
0: it depends i mean the venue also sets your date right so like when you go to a venue You're probably going to have a couple of dates in mind. I would say have probably at least three dates in mind and then the venue is going to be like, yes, we are available or no, and they're going to give you a select date. Um, So that's going to be really important engaging in a photographer and a makeup artist. Yes, you can engage with them before and be like, these are the three dates. If you've really got someone you're really passionate about and want at your wedding because that might dictate whether you go with a venue if say your photographer can only do this one weekend you're going to try and find a venue that can also do that one weekend but there's no point going to a photographer or a makeup artist and saying hey I'm thinking about getting married in 2023 in autumn because that's what are they going to do with that oh that's great thanks for letting me know so Get that date, then get those non-negotiables. Again, whole wedding boom is probably going to make it a bit harder. So try and get those photographers and non-negotiable vendors in. Um, Makeup artists usually can can come a bit later in the planning process. But again, with this whole wedding boom thing, I would be booking in as soon as I found someone I liked.
1: And here's an interesting one when we're talking about our venue. What if for say you are having your ceremony at one location and your reception at another. What are we trying to, who are we trying to engage there first? Like what is the, is the order that you would go about that?
0: Oh, it's a tough one. Priorities come up again because, you know, for us, I mean, ceremony location is really important, but there's also a lot of ceremony locations. Like you can get married outside if all else fails or in a backyard, but reception venues are quite hard. Because they're obviously a set, you know, that's where you have your dinner and things. But some venues will have have both. I think for us from memory, we did it kind of side by side. So one thing that a lot of venues will do, reception venues, I'll say, is they give you a week period of that date. So they say, like, oh, we we temporarily say that you're getting married on this date. And then you have one week to confirm that. So what I would probably do is try and do that get that one week locked in and then go to the ceremony venue and check. The good thing about the difference if you're going to two separate venues is ceremony venues can typically do a few weddings in a day. They can do three or four weddings a day. Receptions can only do one. So you're obviously going to have to go to a reception venue because they're going to book out a lot faster and easier than a ceremony venue.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people overlook that you can have a few different ceremonies at at the one location um, in the same day, especially if it's a ceremony location like, for example, a church or an Mm -hmm. outdoor location that's in the park somewhere. Um, Obviously, they can have a few ceremonies there in a day. But if you were to book an all-in-one sort of package where you're at an estate where you're going to have your whole ceremony and your whole reception in one place, they're not going to book out with two yeah. different people for the day. So they're not going to have anyone else there. So that's a that's a really key distinction to make, important to think about and important to prioritize what you really want to do. Because if you are really wanting to get married at, at your particular church, if you go to a church every weekend and you want to get married at your church on a particular day when you've booked in your reception and they've already got a wedding on that day and it's early in the morning but that really doesn't work with your timeline, like you can't get married in later in the afternoon or you're not going to be able to get to your reception on time like it's important probably to engage with the church first like if that's if that's really important to you but for us we aren't getting married at our local church so it didn't really matter at the end of the day if they weren't available um, it just so happens that they were available but we weren't planning on getting married at any particular church and at the end of the day like was able to get moved so that's all about that priority type of stuff in the end there anyway and so that really rounds out um, sort of eight nine and ten would be your photographer <laughs> your hair and makeup artist. And then any other sort of vendors would come after that. Like we're talking about florists, we're talking about our designers. If we're having someone to style the day for us there, that sort of stuff would come later. Obviously, you need to have the, have a venue booked and you need to have your style in mind before you even engage with a florist. Like they're also a vendor that could do a few separate weddings in one day. So that's not high up on the priority list, is it?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think when I think about vendors, I think about the ones who, yeah, can only do one a day so that's your photographers your hair and makeup artists your um caterers if you have to get a caterer typically one wedding a day people like florist cakes event hire hiring services will do a couple um event hiring i would probably put up pretty high if you're doing that route only because they might only have one item of what you want And so obviously many people in that. But in saying that, there's a lot of them depending where you get married. So, yeah, I think what are my non-negotiable vendors? And for me, that's hair and makeup, photographer and maybe a DJ. And then I would say the next ones down are probably things like, oh, and your celebrant. If you need a celebrant, they're pretty important. But then the next one down would be like florist, event hire. MC, if you're going there, bands, if you're going that route as well.
1: Yeah, cool. So that really rounds out our top 10 of what we think um, the f- first step should be after you get engaged. So we'll go back through them. Number one was when you think you should get married. Um, number two is where you want would like to get married. Um, three is planning your mood board, planning your Pinterest board, whatever However, it feels easier for you. Number four is how many guests you want at your wedding or who you would like to come to your wedding. Just have a rough idea because then that leads into choosing a venue. Number four, having a rough budget as well, like obviously planning for a budget. You probably will go over your original budget and that always happens because you have no idea how much a wedding is going to cost. But good to have some sort of idea so then you can go into the rest of your planning. Then starting a planner. As we said, if you did want to engage a planner, this would probably be the step you would engage an actual person to come and do the planning for you if you wanted that after you've already had those ideas of where and when and, and who. Once you've planned that all oh. to start engaging a planner but also if you want to do your own planning make sure you have a, have a really succinct document where you can put all that sort of stuff. And then it moves into the actual booking phase so we're looking at a venue. We're then looking at people to the, all the higher places if you need a blank canvas venue. Um, obviously your ceremony and your reception venue if you want both. Looking at a caterer then a photographer, hair and makeup artist, um, stylist, florists, a DJ, a band, all that sort of stuff would come in eight, nine, and ten. What would be the next thing that you would say after that? If we're just going to give a little bonus, where would we be heading to next? If if some people are just after a little bit of idea, what would come after that?
0: Have a breather. No, uh, actually, <laughs> after you've done that, you've actually planned a really big bulk. Yeah, your like wedding. it's all planning.
1: All that planning is still going to go ahead. Like. After you've done all that stuff, You're gonna you, have you a wedding. are going to have a wedding. So you can you can, you can can really sit back and have a drink after that. Just <laughs> yeah. It's going to be there.
0: And But I would be getting my dress and all outfit, whatever you choose to have, especially in COVID times. You don't know what's going to happen. Just get into the outfit stores um, and get that underway, even if it's just to try on and see what you like.
1: Now, I leave that to Emily because Emily wasn't able to try on. A dress in a store, she had to do an at-home try-on. She's a bit, a bit sad about a bit that. Bitter, but we'll, make, but a, we'll make a whole episode on that. She's, she can uh, speak about her experiences with at-home dress try-ons. But, uh, but <laughs> make sure you get fair, in early on that one. It's
0: like the last thing that actually has a time frame on it. One of the last things, you know, you need to obviously start thinking about invites and things. But you, after all these, you need to think what actually has a time frame on it and that's invites and dress or outfit. Whereas things like getting your decor... Can really be left till the last minute. I don't suggest it, but it can be.
1: Yeah, of course. After you've planned all this stuff, you are gonna have a wedding. You are gonna be able to just turn up on the day if you really wanna, you can be in any outfit that you really want to be, but obviously all those other things do come along after the fact. But these are the first real steps that we would say to be yeah. planning, um, after you get engaged.
0: But enjoy it. It's a fun time. It's stressful, but it's fun.
1: And that is where we're going to leave today's podcast, guys. I really hope you did enjoy this episode. If you did enjoy it, we would love to hear from you guys on Instagram. You can find us at to be wed underscore podcast on Instagram. Or um, if you did have been enjoying any of the recent episodes, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple podcast or wherever you are listening to this podcast. But until next week, guys, we will be back again next Friday with another episode of the to be wed podcast. But until then, have a great week.
0: See you then.